The Earning the Push podcast is on the air, a show by wrestling fans for wrestling fans to do the two things we love the most. Talk about the state of the industry and what we would do if we were in charge. My name is Jack Murley. I am a professional broadcaster and joining me each and every week is the Lamont to my Ernest the Cat Miller, the swinging metal arms to the rest of my backlash set. It's a pro athlete in our combo. Charlie Beckett, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Jack. I'm very well. We are recording this earlier than we usually do so if my voice is a bit husky it's because i'm still waking up but no i'm very good i'm very good i'm excited the response to our roman part ones last week has got me excited i know people are getting involved people sent them in so i'm excited i think i'm doing my part two today aren't i and a few fans ones I'm really, really excited about this show, actually. Yeah, we've got loads to get into. As always, uh, at Jack underscore Murley is him, at Charlie underscore Beckett is me earning the No, no, podcast. we're not. No, well, no, hold we're on, not. hold on. That would be some gimmick change. <laughs> can, can we get on Botchamania? Is this our first <laughs> yes. offer to get on that? Yeah, this we'll is a problem with re- recording early. I am at Jack underscore Murley. He is at Charlie underscore Beckett, earning the push podcast at hotmail.com. That bodes well for the rest of the show, but I promise, in spite of my flubs, it is going to be a good one. We have got uh, part two of Charlie's booking of Roman Reigns losing the Universal title. We'll hear from Emma, the first part of Andrew, getting in touch as well. John will do next week, uh, my second part next week as well. I suppose we should start, Charlie, though, with NXT TakeOver in your house. 300 fans inside the Capitol Wrestling Center for a show that was headlined by Karrion Cross retaining the NXT Championship over Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Pete Dunne, and Johnny Gargano. I suppose one of the other noteworthy things coming out of that was a tease, say it ain't so, William Regal, could he be off? Uh, your thoughts on the event? First thing, I don't think I've ever heard 300 people quite as loud. It's just, I'm just, I keep saying every week, and it's it's true. I'm just seeing fans back at all sport. It's just awesome. But especially in such um, an industry and a sport where fans are so integral, like wrestling, it's great to hear actual reactions. I think Cameron Grimes probably got the biggest pop of the night, which was uh, very interesting to see how over he is. Because uh, that's a really interesting thing at the moment, is we're seeing who's actually over. Because yeah. we haven't had that for, what, 16 months now. So that's really interesting. It was very much a good show. I don't think there's ever been a takeover that hasn't been. They always deliver. But... It was one that was fun to watch, good show, but nothing really too memorable. What was there? it? Was it doesn't go down in the upper echelons of those iconic, brilliant takeovers. And my favourite wrestling show ever is Takeover New Orleans before WrestleMania 33, and it doesn't doesn't come close to anything like that. There's been some, and that's the issue. Takeover sets such a high bar because they're consistently nine, ten out of ten shows. That this, what probably like a seven out of ten show, really good, really enjoyable wrestling show. But everyone just compares it to the takeovers. So that, that's my main thought of it. It felt like we spoke off air. One of the first times they've had a takeover because the time of year, they've gone, oh, we should do a takeover rather than oh, our storylines are all built to their, their blow-offs here. We need a big takeover show. I thought the same. I thought it really emphasised the importance of storyline because LA Knight uh, against Cameron Grimes in that ladder match felt to me like the one that had the most consistent story going through it. So it was the one I was most invested in. The others, particularly Addy Johnny Gargano, fairly late to the NXT championship match, it, it just felt very un NXT and that's not always a bad thing you can try new things if, if you're a, a show a brand that's trying to, to shake things up a bit but I'm not sure it, it's one that's going to live in the memory for a long time no I don't think it will um the only way it could is and we'll get onto a sec is the effects it could have with Regal if he leaves because that would not be what I want but before we move on, we spoke a lot last well we didn't we, we managed not to speak about the whole Shayna Baszler Alexa Bliss thing because we didn't want to 
I think you look at that, you know, and look at how they're how they're doing the Mei Ying Tian Xiao stuff. And it just shows I can't put my finger on what they're doing differently with that that makes it work. But at no point do I think it is ridiculous. Maybe it's because there's no dolls involved. I don't know. But actually, I think I really enjoy that build. And when she stood up out of her throne, I was like, oh, damn, you messed up. I was like, oh, you've gone messed up now, girl. <laughs> is that a phrase you use often? You've gone yes, messed up most, now, girl? Most days I'll look at um, the women in my life and go, oh, God damn, you messed up now, girl. No, I've never said that before in my life. I don't know why I've um, said that, can but you that was next, the thoughts. Next time you're playing rugby when the season restarts and something happens on the pitch, can you just look at your opponent and go, oh, you done messed up now, girl, please, yeah. just for me? Yes, that will get some sort of reaction, I think. <laughs> Um, the other thing that I thought thought was well worth talking about was NXT going all in on the theme. I thought some of the little touches they put within your house, I know they did it last year as well, but I really enjoyed that. And can we have a word before we go back to William Regal? And as this drops, people will know what happens next in that storyline because we're recording on a Monday. But can we talk about Beth Phoenix? Is there nothing that woman cannot do? She can wrestle. She's a great mum. She's a brilliant analyst. She adds so much to those broadcasts. Yeah, she's she's excellent, isn't she? And she's quickly becoming one of the best commentators in wrestling. She just she's so knowledgeable. I think it's such a great skill to be knowledgeable and put your knowledge across without ever sounding condescending. And I don't know if it's something that can be taught you. I think you either have that or you don't. And she absolutely has that in buckets. Yeah, she's absolutely great. And you always. You'll always spend more time uh, watching and listening to the broadcasters than I do, probably because that's your that's your field. So it's more of a compliment coming from you. But yeah, she's she's absolutely excellent. I had a really interesting discussion a few weeks back on Busted Open, and one of the things they were saying was when you had Mauro Ronaldo there, who everyone loves, he was great, but he was everything. He did the play by play, and he did the color, and and no one else had a chance to grow. Not consciously because he was stopping them doing it but when you've got a guy who can do everything no one else can pick out those roles and develop themselves I think having Vic Joseph there has allowed Beth Phoenix to come into that role and she is fantastic she reminds me of how we used to talk about Corey Graves when he was first coming into that role she is really possibly one of my favorite broadcasters in wrestling at the moment and that is no mean feat I loved Regal as a broadcaster I loved him as a GM by the time this drops, as we say, we'll know what's going on. But talk about a hook for the end of TakeOver, a show that's usually so wrestling heavy, ending on a storyline. Didn't see it coming at all. And like I say, Regal has got, in, in the era of authority figures being a nightmare and being what we love to complain about and what we hate most about wrestling, Regal has just quietly gone about his business and become the best authority figure in the world of wrestling today. He's a heart back to the great GMs of, he doesn't get involved, he doesn't need to. He's not on screen all the time. He's a presence you know is always there. Also, he's a certified badass that no one messes with because he's William Regal. And he's funny. He's so funny when he needs to be. So if he does leave NXT as general manager, if it's for any reason but the fact that William Regal wants to leave, then it's the worst call WWE made in a long time. And I'm including releasing Alistair Black in that. Yeah, I, I think my sense is that it's probably a storyline development. He does a lot of scouting behind the scenes, and, and I, uh, no one is a WWE lifer, clearly, but I would suggest that William Regal is about as close to it as you can get. Uh, probably one of those names as well, when we talk about why so-and-so isn't in the Hall of Fame, if William Regal isn't a Hall of Fame inductee in the next two or three years, I would be very, very, very surprised. 
not just for what he's doing in NXT, but I think growing up, you don't really understand when you're getting into wrestling when you're seven, eight, nine, ten, like what good wrestling is. So for me, like William Regal come out, I'd be like, oh, he's this rubbish English guy. You go back and watch his matches now, and the man's a technical wizard. He's an absolute genius in the ring. And you listen to anyone, I mean, anyone talk about him in the industry, and they can never say enough about how well he wrestled. So he should be in there just for his in-ring stuff alone, but he was a great character, and he's the best GM. But um, no, if if he's going, it will be a real loss to NXT. But you texted yesterday, I saw it online, there is rumours of quite a big name coming in, isn't there? Yeah, allegedly, allegedly, pinch of salt, all of that. Samoa Joe has been re-signed uh, to the NXT roster. As we keep saying, uh, when we tape this, it is Monday. By the time it's released, it will be Thursday. So we will know one way or another, at least if that is true or if it develops on this week's NXT. Um, if WWE have gone back and picked Samoa Joe back up, well, you have to say that's justice done because you don't let Samoa Joe slip through your fingers. If you can't find a role for Samoa Joe in your wrestling company, your wrestling company is not going to succeed. Yeah, I completely agree. And as much as I want to see Joe wrestle, I do because he's excellent. If he's not medically cleared to wrestle, then yes, get him involved. We saw how good he was at commentary on Raw. Like the man just clearly gets wrestling. And I don't doubt he'll be an excellent, excellent GM. And again, has that certified badass, badassery, doesn't he, about him? That no one's going to mess with Samoa Joe because he's Samoa Joe. And as much as he came through TNA and everything. NXT was where he started in WWE and the way he was presented there was so much better than anywhere else. Shock. Um, so to have him go back would almost feel full circle. And if it's the start of him working to go back into wrestling, if he's fit to, absolutely, I want to see him wrestle and I want to see him wrestle in NXT because that's where all the best wrestling happens. I am liking this early morning version of you. It is far sassier than I usually oh, yeah. see. Got a sarcastic <laughs> little eye roll there. It's because I haven't trained yet. You normally get me straight after training when I'm a bit tired. I haven't trained yet. I've had my coffee. I'm all hyped. I'm ready to go. I'll take on the world at 10 past 8 in the morning. Let's go. Excellent. Right. Uh, I'll get this right this time. At Jack underscore Merley is me. At Charlie underscore Beckett is him. See, second time a charm. Earning the push podcast at hotmail.com. Uh, part two of some booking of Roman Reigns losing the universal title to come after the break. Uh, some new offerings on that as well. Uh, we'll talk now a little bit about poor Dominic Mysterio. I'm, I'm in Cornwall. We've had Air Force One going overhead, Marine One. And I think after SmackDown, I saw Dominic fly past my window Wow, what a spot with Roman Reigns. Oh, that picture will just live on forever of him flying through the air and you zoom in on his poor little face and he just cannot <laughs> believe what's happening. Like, I like to think, and I don't know if this happened, but the, the plan was for Roman just to powerbomb him. And Roman just thought, nope, you're going over the rope, son. And he's gone, okay, here we go. Honestly, now the one thing I'd say is we obviously didn't see him land, did we? Do you think he had, he must have had something to land on there? Because if not, that's just dangerous. I don't want to. I don't want to see that for no reason, if not. But what a brilliant spot! And it just it made me go, oh! And then it's made me laugh about two or three days since. I, I don't think WWE shoots anything accidentally, and I think the yeah. fact there was no camera shot of him landing indicates there was something there, as you would hope, as you say. But I mean, even if there's something to land on, you look at Dominic's face, and he's up, and he's thinking. I hope, I hope this goes well. We can never forget the bravery of those bumps. Um, styles make fights as well. Ray versus Reigns inside the cell. Very, very tasty little match that. I think it's just a great pairing. We're going to get Roman absolutely destroying Ray. Ray will sell like an absolute genius for him. 
he'll just ragdoll him. He'll be a horrible, horrible man just mocking him. Then Ray will do his ultimate underdog, will fight back out of nowhere, does that better than anyone, and then Roman will retain. Two all-time greats, isn't it? I think Roman's coming to that echelon now of he's doing enough that he gets in that conversation. Ray doesn't need to justify to anyone why he's one of the all-time greats. He's the best little man ever, in a lot of people's opinions, including mine. So I think they'll have a great, great match. And you know what? For a match that has built in two weeks, I'm a, I'm a big, big, big critic of when they just throw a match in Hell in a Cell because it's the time of year for Hell in a Cell. Well, actually, you understand why this one's going in Hell in a Cell because... It might have been over two weeks, but Roman's just destroying Ray's son. I think it's going to be excellent. I mean, it's anything like Lean's ending into the story like Roman's cell match did last year against Jay, which is one of my favourite matches of the year last year, then I'm all for it. I think that would be really good. I think at times it might be tough to watch. I think Roman's going to absolutely batter Ray, but I think it'll be a very, very good wrestling match. I, I look at it, and as we were just talking about the longevity of William Regal, let's not ignore the fact that Ray Mysterio is still main eventing pay-per-views and programs. I mean, he was a guy who in the, not the early, early days of Nitro, but certainly, you know, he had that classic with Eddie Guerrero at Halloween Havoc in, in 1997. Um, how old were you in 97? Two. Two, right. So for literally the entire length of your life, this guy has been putting on incredible matches his style hasn't changed a huge amount it, it's remarkable what he's been able to do particularly given that the big guys love to throw him around and he's taken a lot of punishment there's not much of him to take that punishment and he has taken more than his fair share because that's when a lot of his gimmick is i'll get absolutely battered for 20 minutes and then i'll win like if that that is that that's the whole underdog thing isn't it so yeah because I, I googled this 46 and he's still moving away the fact that he's got his son as his tag team partner, is just incredible. And I, like we said a few weeks ago, I was so happy from that moment. I hope they get the wrestlers champions in front of fans. I don't think this match will lengthen his career, though. I don't think he'll look back when he finishes and go, that's so much against Roman Adam in another two or three years. I think that's a line that Paul Heyman should use on SmackDown. Ray, I don't think this match will lengthen your career. That's very nice. Uh, it also reminded me of Styles making matches. Uh, I, you know, I thought of Lesnar against Styles, Lesnar against Brian. We've seen some great big man, little man matches recently. And it reminded me of the importance of clear-cut babyfaces and clear-cut heels. And I was thinking about this. The Young Bucks in AEW Dynamite, arguably completely different, far more compelling since they've gone full-on heel. The switch in them has been amazing. Same for Roman Reigns, as we banged on about each and every week since we've been doing this podcast. It does put pay to that Shades of Grey booking argument because the feuds we're enjoying the most, clear babyface, clear heel. Wrestling kind of leaned away from it, didn't it? I think... For a long time, wrestling and promoters and bookers' hands were tied by the fact they felt they had to go clear babyface against clear heel. And then they slowly learned they didn't have to do that. You could have great heel versus heel, face versus face matches or shades of grey in the right scenario. But then it was probably a reason they felt their hands were tied because it's the most clear-cut storytelling. It's the easiest to invest in. So when we can get it that way, let's get it that way. Let's not go for face, face, heel, heel. Because but let's not make that the, the one we go for first. Let's go for that if the story presents itself and it's right. But if not, let's work with good guy, bad guy, because there's a reason that wrestling's worked with it forever. There's a reason films are sold in it, books are sold in it, TV series are sold in it. At the end of the day, as much as we go, oh, the bad guy's cool, we like to see that. We like to see the bad guy win a bit. Everyone wants to see the good guy win. Everyone does. So there's a reason it works. It's worked for years and years and years. And it's probably the storylines we're enjoying the most right now because it makes sense. Although on SmackDown, I'm enjoying the bad guy winning. 
eventually I'll be happy when he loses one day. But yeah, it just makes sense, doesn't it? Bad guy versus good guy. It's not it's not rocket science. But you're enjoying him because he's bad. You're enjoying how bad he is. So it's a bit I'm gonna get myself into an analogy I don't understand. I was gonna say it's like Thor and Thanos, because I know you do movies, right. but then I realize more are they, like it's more are they like the Loki. same thing? No, it's more like Loki and Thor. Roman okay. Reigns is like the anti-hero. We love anti-heroes, don't we? The, the best, I always, I always talk about like the best bad guys in any film or anything are the ones you can understand where they're coming from, that you can see their points. So like you bring up Thanos, for example. He wanted to wipe out half of all living things. Terrible thing to do. We've all had those to, days. We've all yeah, had those days. We have. But he wanted to do it because, I'm really getting into the nerdiness here. He wanted to do it because the whole of the universe had outgrown its means. We could, the universe couldn't supply how many people, how many living things there were. So you wipe off, out half randomly. It was completely random. He didn't know who was going to die. And then the universe thrives. So yeah, you're a terrible bloke, Thanos, but I can see your point. So that, and with Roman, some things you're doing are terrible, Roman, but I can see why you're doing it. You're doing it for family. You're doing it for the respect of others. Like you're, you, he, he genuinely does want the best for his family. You see with when he was saying to uh, Dewey this week, why would you do that to your brother? Why would you do that to him? You can see he genuinely cares. And all he wants is the three of them stood together. But the way he goes about doing it, questionable at best. But you can understand why he's doing it. Yeah, you certainly can. And we will talk more about that in a moment or two. Do not go anywhere. Part two of Earning the Push podcast, all about fantasy booking, some crackers coming in on how Roman Reigns should lose the Universal title. We will get into that next on Earning the Push. We are back on the Earning the Push podcast. By the way, thank you to everyone who has rated, reviewed, and subscribed to us each and every week. It's lovely to hear you take us in and help us uh, get a bit of traction on social media. Uh, and people are really, really enjoying Charlie Beckett uh, booking Roman Reigns losing the Universal title. This was your brainchild. This was a good one. People have got into this. Yeah, I've really got into it. You, I sent you a picture today last week. I've done the same here. You look at my notes for most weeks when we do this. I'm normally half to a page of uh, A4 and I fill in the rest as I go. I'm like almost two pages of such small writing detail and they're like, don't mess anything up. This is step by step. Now, when Andrew comes on, Andrew will blow me out the water because his booking's always ridiculous and the detail is incredible. I can't live with that. But I, yeah, I've got more invested in this one than I have ending for a while, actually. I've been very excited in this one. Yeah, so we'll do part two of Charlie's in a moment. Part one of Andrew's, we'll do Emma's two. Emma's is fairly short and sweet, but we don't mind that at all. John will do next week and we'll do mine next week as well. Interestingly, Charlie, we threw up a poll on social media last week to see um, who should take the title from Roman Reigns. We put Lesnar, Rollins, Drew or someone else as an option. Uh, Lesnar got 13%. Uh, poor old Seth Rollins got zero. No oh, one. Seth. No oh, one. Seth. He's got Becky Lynch. He's doing fine in life, yeah. you know. Uh, Drew McIntyre got 38%. Uh, interestingly, he was taking uh, more of the vote than Lesnar, but someone else got 49%. And I wonder if that speaks to the fact that no one in WWE, as of yet, seems credible to take it off him. Yeah, because that's interesting. I bet. I, I wonder how many people actually told you who their someone else would be. I think people don't know is part of it. I think people go, I don't like any of those three options. But then you say to people, who shouldn't like? Oh, I don't, I don't actually know, but none of them. 
Well, this is interesting because Emma says, if it is fantasy booking, I'm bringing back John Moxley when his current AEW contract expires and having him dethrone Roman Reigns. Yeah, WWE can call him Dean Ambrose if they want, but I want the wild thing version of him that oozes charisma to be the one to take Reigns down. It would reintroduce him to the company with a bang. It would cement him as a star on the level of Reigns. And sure, Vince McMahon would never do it, but it's fun to imagine. That's a joy of fantasy booking. You can do that. That is proper fantasy booking. I like that a lot. And it would be. It would that this that version of Dean Ambrose, John Moxley, is completely different to what left the company, isn't he? And people who don't watch AEW, that would reintroduce him unbelievably. But I think we'd have to we'd have to have a long Roman Reigns reign because I think he's he's quite happy in AEW for a while. Uh, John will do next week. He's got a name from NXT to bring up. Uh, we'll do the first part of Andrews. Do you want to go before or after Andrew? Before Andrew, I won't be able to I live up to so. Andrew. Okay. Yeah, I'll be done. You're so. a bit like um, you're a bit like Chris Jericho and Triple H. Uh, do you want to go before or after the Rock and Hulk Hogan at yeah. WrestleMania? I'll, oh, I'll go before. It'd be like trying to be um, Orton and Triple H after Ta- um, Taker and Michaels yeah. at WrestleMania 25. I'd be sat in Gorilla going, "Oh God, this isn't good." Okay, well, look, this is part two of Charlie's. We left things uh, with The Rock bowing down, kneeling before Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, acknowledging his tribal chief. That's where we were last week. Charlie, take us home. Obviously, there's always a huge thing for the Raw after Mania, isn't it? So that happens. But then I'm really bigging up through the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the SmackDown after Mania, there's going to be two huge debuts for new people on the roster. And the two new debuts are call-ups from NXT, it's Adam Cole and Karrion Cross. They're going one-on-one in the main event of SmackDown. The winner will face Roman Reigns at Backlash, because I'm not calling it WrestleMania Backlash, <laughs> at Backlash for the Universal title. Uh, Cole and Cross have a great match. Of course, they do introduce themselves to the main roster, as you'd imagine, and Cole comes out on top. So at Backlash, it's Cole versus Roman. They have a really great match. Adam Cole looks brilliant. Rome retains at Hell in a Cell he faces Cross and again really give Cross the rub make him look like an absolute monster that he is in NXT do the exact same in a Hell in a Cell have him ragdoll Roman a bit do things that people haven't before but inside the cell for the third time in a row Roman retains now through these three or four months since Mania Roman's becoming more and more arrogant becoming more of a power unto himself just does as he pleases around the place. Comes to his matches when he wants. Sometimes he doesn't come to SmackDown because there's nothing there for him. When he does turn up, he just, he's becoming an issue with how arrogant he is and how much he just runs the place as his own. The first SmackDown after Hell in a Cell, Roman is in the ring with the Usos and with Heyman. And he just cuts this promo and he just says, this is boring now. I've beaten everyone. In just under two years, I've run through all the worthy challenges you have for me on SmackDown, Adam Pearce. And he named them. Bray Wyatt, Braun Strowman, my cousin Jay, Kevin Owens, Daniel Bryan, Edge, Cesaro, Rey Mysterio, Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, Big E, The Rock, Adam Cole, Karrion Cross. They've all stepped up to the plate and they've all come up short. Adam, you have no one worthy for me here. I'm wasting my time. So Vince, now I'm talking to you. Bring me someone worthy next week or I'm leaving and this title's coming with me. So Roman's laid down the gauntlet that there's just no one worth worth wrestling in SmackDown. So Vince needs to do something. So next SmackDown, 
vignette to start the show announces that Vince has a challenger and be revealed in the main event segment. So the hype's building all night. You've got Pat McAfee and Adam Cole. Oh, not Adam Cole. Adam Cole is not on commentary. Michael Cole. It's catching this, isn't it? It's catching. <laughs> Pat and Adam on commentary would be an interesting one. Their history. Uh, Pat and Michael Cole are hyping up who they are. Pat is throwing out some ridiculous, ridiculous theories. Like, let's really build into this. Let's make it funny. Let's make it interesting. But all the time, like, who, who is worthy of Roman? So Roman, Uso's and Heyman in the ring, and Vince comes to the top of the ramp. And he just looks down at Roman, brings his microphone to his lips, says, you've become a real problem. So I've had to break the bank for this one. Roman, I hope you're happy. And Brock Lesnar's music goes off. Brock's at the top of the ramp. He looks at Vince and they just nod at each other. The camera cuts to Roman the ring, just screaming at Heyman. How could you not know? And Heyman's just stood there like a statue staring at Brock, mouth wide open, in complete disbelief. So Brock comes down the ramp, he enters the ring, we see Roman leave on the other side with, uh, with the Usos, but Heyman's just rooted to the spot. And he looks nervous, he looks scared, he just stares at Brock. He has no idea how Brock Lesnar's going to react to him. They haven't been together for almost three years. Brock smiles and gives Heyman a huge, huge hug, and then hits him with a belly-to-belly suplex just chucks him over his head. The Usos rush the ring and both get destroyed by Lesnar. Suplexes, F5s, the whole, the whole, the whole way. Brock then picks up Heyman, F5s Heyman, and looks up to the top of the ramp where Roman is. He's stood in the ring with all three members of his tribe just on the floor, littered around him. Roman's just staring down in disbelief as Brock taunts him with that classic like belt round your waist taunt that they do. Does that to him. Next week, the match is set. SummerSlam 2022, Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns for the Universal title in the main event. So we've got six weeks, two months to build this. And the promos are going to centre around two things. The first one is Lesnar feels Heyman's betrayed him. It doesn't matter that Lesnar wasn't in WWE. Heyman's his guy. He's his advocate. He shouldn't be with anyone else. And secondly, we really lean into the whole Reigns-Lesnar history. Because I was looking at yesterday, they've wrestled so many times they have huge history we lean into the fact that number of times Roman should have beaten Brock but could never get the job done for whatever reason yes he fired it at SummerSlam a few years ago but could never get it done we lean into the fact that they always always deliver on the big stage with matches they always have good matches and we lean into the fact that these two have a really heated rivalry that's been years and years and they properly hate each other finally we get to a sit down interview with Heyman with uh, Michael Cole because Michael Cole's the king of them he's brilliant at his sit down interviews and Heyman's just the king of promo. So really good interview. And Heyman's scared. He's scared for his own safety, but also for Roman's title reign. He's never seen Lesnar like this. This is the most dangerous Brock Lesnar he's ever seen. This leads to Roman being angry with Heyman because he's like, how can you be putting over the man I'm wrestling like this? How can you be scared of him? And tell me I should be scared of him. I'm the tribal chief. I'm scared of no one. Lesnar will bow to and acknowledge me for the first time. Heyman's not really buying it. You can see that Heyman isn't buying this. He's, he's scared like he never has been. But Heyman regains the trust of Rowan by, we see like backstage secret promos of, Heyman's giving info to Reigns on Lesnar and his weaknesses that he's never given to anyone else. He's talking to him about, we don't really see exactly what he's saying, but you hear him saying, that's the weakness he doesn't tell anyone about. Or these are things he doesn't like that no one knows. You just get the end of conversations in the, in the, in the uh, locker room. So you can see that 
Heyman's giving privileged information to Reigns about Lesnar that only Heyman would know. Anyway, we come to SummerSlam and the whole show is built around this main event and the fans are going off the chain and for 20, 30 minutes, they just beat the living crap out of each other, the two of them. It's so physical. But there's the emotion, there's the story, there's the trash talk in the middle. The Usos get ejected from ringside by the ref for distracting while Brock's got, Brock's F5 Roman, he's gone for the pin. The Usos are on the, on the canvas and they get ejected because he would have got the three count. So Brock's pinned Roman, but the, the Usos have saved him. But because Roman's so out of it, he hasn't seen that the Usos have been ejected. He thinks they're still at ringside. They carry on for the two or three minutes and Lesnar gets reigned in a Kimura lock and you see his arm snap, you see it go. And Roman doesn't tap. Roman's just screaming in the ring. His arm's broken in inverted commas. Obviously, I don't want Roman Reigns' arm broken, but you know what I mean. Like when he broke Triple H's arm. He's just screaming. And Lesnar lets go in disbelief. He cannot believe that he's just snapped this man's arm and he won't tap. And he's now thinking, what do I have to do to put him away? The ref comes over to check on Roman. He's writhing in agony in the, in the corner of the ring. And as the ref comes over, Roman just headbutts him. Roman headbutts the ref and puts him down. Brock walks over to Roman now and um, Roman just kicks him low blow to put, uh, to put Brock on the canvas. He turns and screams, Jimmy, Jay, get the chairs. Rolls over and just sees Heyman there and he's confused. Where is Cousins gone? But then he says, Paul, get a chair. So Paul walks over to the timekeeper's area, picks up a steel chair, walks in the ring and goes to give it to Roman. And Roman looks at him and just points at his arm. He says, I, I can't do it. Finish him. He walks over to the side of the ring where Lesnar's just coming to as he's recovering from his low blow. And Heyman just stands over Lesnar, looking at him, chair in hand. And they look at each other and they both just start to laugh. Heyman turns and leathers Roman Reigns with the chair. Brock gets up, F5s Roman at the same time. Brock's bring the ref to one, two, three. Brock Lesnar, with assistance from Paul Heyman with a steel chair, beats Roman Reigns for the universal title. I want to do it this way because it gives you a motivated Brock back with Heyman, an intriguing story, I think, to go forward with. And it also writes Roman off TV for a fair while because of his arm, in inverted commas, which I think you have to do. I don't think he can turn up on Friday at SmackDown and be like, I'm the tribal chief. Well, no, you're not. You just lost your title. So I don't want to see Roman for a while and I want to see a motivated Brock Lesnar. And I know the first thing you're going to say is, Charlie, we've had conversations before where you've been so angry about Brock Lesnar as champ. <laughs> but this is the, this is the one story I, I said last week, there's two stories I want to see from this reign. I want to see Roman versus Rock and I want to see Paul Heyman caught in the middle of Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar because I just think it's the best story they can tell. And that's how I'd do it. Firstly, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love the belly to belly on Heyman. That hug into a belly to belly is going to get the biggest pop you're going to get. Secondly, I was sort of hoping you would say he snaps one of Roman's arms and he doesn't give. So he snaps the other and then a leg and then another leg and he's just a torso on the floor. He dismembers him. He's screaming. So, so here's the thing, right? Do you anticipate coming out of that storyline? Is this a double turn? Because how do you bring back Roman Reigns, who fought on with a broken arm and as he's been betrayed by his 
his advocate, whatever you call him, Paul Heyman, surely he's coming back as a baby face and that turns Lesnar heel. Yes, I think so. I think this is this is a heel Lesnar because heel Lesnar's the best Lesnar. Heel Lesnar who's just running through people and wants to wrestle. That that's my huge caveat to all of this is I need a Brock Lesnar who wants to wrestle. So I don't know how many zeros Vince is going to put on the end of it to get that Brock, but I'm, he's doing it. Um, a Brock who wants to wrestle, and yeah, that's a heel, a monster heel Lesnar with a Roman who yeah has to come back babyface at that point. But I still want him to be that sort of badass persona, still the tribal chief, but actually with people behind him this time. And maybe maybe he mellows a little bit. Maybe he's a little bit of a nicer tribal chief. Who knows? Well, you've certainly thrown down the gauntlet for John next week and me finishing mine off as well. If you enjoyed that, earning the push podcast at hotmail.com at Charlie underscore Beckett at Jack underscore Murley. Uh, we'll do part one of Andrews here. He says, hi again, guys. First off, good job booking the resurrection of Bray Wyatt. I really struggled to come up with anything. So credit to you both for your ideas. I'm jumping back into the show with a scenario to take the belt off reins picking right up where my Cena retirement angle left off. I hope you enjoy it. I may even in the future veer away from this WWE universe I've created. Next time I send something in, uh, keep up the great work. This is from Andrew. So part one of Andrew's today, and we start uh, in the first month on the SmackDown after Mania, and we're picking right up in Andrew's universe where we left it. John Cena's retirement angle, Roman Reigns is gloating after beating John Cena. A battle royale is announced to decide the new number one contender for his universal title, and Reigns says he'll be watching and that nobody stands a chance against him. Before the battle royale main event, Ricochet is in action and gets the win, only to be attacked from behind by the debuting Adam Cole, presumably to a massive ovation given it's a SmackDown after Mania. Reigns and Heyman are at ringside, and Chad Gable is the shock winner of the Battle Royale, earning himself a title shot. The commentators talk about how the week after WrestleMania is full of surprises and wonder if this is the start of a whole new era for Gable's WWE career. Building to backlash, Michael Cole, or rather Adam Cole, explains he never really got his revenge on Ricochet for ending his first title run in NXT. Now he's on SmackDown, he's here to put that right. Meanwhile, Reigns is laughing off Gable's chances of winning, but Gable says he's the best pure wrestler on the roster and can beat anyone on the ground, even Reigns. Reigns holds an exhibition against a local wrestler where he just toys with him and uses amateur wrestling to show he can do that side of things too. Reigns says he'll beat Gable easily and wonders if he even has to turn up since everyone knows he's winning. At Backlash, Adam Cole beats Ricochet after exposing the turnbuckle, dropping Ricochet on it face first to hit the last shot. Cole will get cheered after debuting, but I want, says Andrew, for him to be a cool anti-hero, so he has to keep some of that heel streak by doing some cheating to get the win. Going up against Ricochet lets him do that against an opponent he has history with and chemistry with as well, and it still puts Cole over while leaving the door open to a rematch down the line. Meanwhile, Reigns does defend the title against Chad Gable, but the former Olympian puts up a hell of a fight and gets the better of the early wrestling exchange, frustrating Reigns, who can't keep Gable under control despite his size advantage, and Gable comes very close on a couple of occasions to beating the champ. There are the first signs that complacency is creeping into Roman Reigns' game, and after beating Cena at Mania, he has nothing left to accomplish and thinks he's untouchable, so he's beginning to take his foot off the gas. Wasn't that John Cena's old theme? tune so you think you're untouchable see andrew's he's so much better than us 
It's a meta reference. Uh, month two, we begin to build to money in the bank. And Adam Cole says now he's taking care of his personal business by beating Ricochet. He wants a world title. Adam Pierce tells him he's only just gotten to SmackDown, so he'll have to earn his way to the top of the mountain. But he will get a chance to qualify for the money in the bank ladder match. Cole wins his qualifier against Kevin Owens in what will be the first of a streak of long top quality matches that Cole will have on SmackDown. He's put up against guys he will have the chance to steal the show against, like Cesaro and Rey Mysterio, regularly going 15 to 20 minutes and winning, albeit sometimes through cheap tactics, like twisting Rey Mysterio's mask around so he can't win. Or is it really a clever tactic? I want, says Andrew, to establish Cole as a major in-ring player to the main roster fans straight away and put him in prime spots against established guys he can have matches with. I think everyone wins in this situation. Meanwhile, Roman Reigns gets called out by a confident Big E, who says we've seen the chinks in Reigns' armour starting to appear, and now is the time for some new blood to hold the Universal title. Big, a, Big E excuse me, earns his shot to set up the title match at the pay-per-view, and when we get to Money in the Bank, we have a whole ladder match, Cole versus Jimmy Uso versus Jey Uso versus Ricochet versus Bobby Lashley versus Matt Riddle versus Jeff Hardy versus Dominic Djakovic is basically built around Cole coming close to grabbing the briefcase, but never quite managing it. During the match, we transition away from Cole thwarting Ricochet to the Usos targeting Cole and keeping him from winning, and they manage to keep him down long enough for someone else to take the briefcase back to Raw. I basically want this to feel like a face turn uh, for Cole in front of a crowd that will be rooting for him. It takes both Usos to keep him from winning, so he really is a star of the match, doing everything but grabbing the briefcase. The Universal title match doesn't go how Roman Reigns expects it to. He wins, but only just, as Big E dominates the match physically, dominating Roman Reigns in a way we haven't seen before. It takes a title shot with Heyman distracting the referee, two Superman punches, and two spears to keep Big E down. And Reigns sells this after the match like he's exhausted and can't believe what it took to put Big E away. We leave it there with two months to go in that, but clearly we are building to an Adam Cole versus Roman Reigns matchup there. Your thoughts, Charlie Beckett? Yeah, I'm hot on that. Anyone who listens knows how much I like Adam Cole. Uh, I think he's probably WWE's best in ring today. Um, I worry about him coming up to the main roster because no one's done it well, let's be honest. So get him straight in there. Make I love the... I love taking him to SmackDown. That's the place for him. I love giving him just 15 to 20 minute classics week in, week out, establish him as the wrestler on that show. And yeah, a bit of a tweener sort of, you want him to win, but with heel tactics, Adam Cole's my favourite version of Adam Cole. So yeah, I'm all for that. And I think Cole Reigns would be a great match. Like that, that was why I had it in mind because I think that's just a match I want to see. And look down the line, I, in mind, I want to see Cole versus Lesnar because he always does so well against little men. So that big man, little man, uh, combo between Cole and um, and Reigns, I think, would be awesome. Yeah, and we're seeing again that no one on the current main roster is able to touch Roman Reigns. And I think this is a developing theme as we go through this. Uh, we'll see what next week brings. There is uh, still plenty of time for you to get involved. Earning the Push podcast at hotmail.com. Uh, drop us a message. They can be long, short, fat, tall. We don't mind. We love getting them here on the show. While you're doing that and while you're listening, rate and review and subscribe. It means we deliver fresh episodes to your device each and every Thursday. Give us a follow on socials if you don't already, at Jack underscore Murley, at Charlie underscore Beckett. Final break and then coming up after the break we're giving something the push and sending something back to developmental so don't go anywhere 
Okay, final part of the show. Thank you for being with us, by the way, and thank you for supporting us all the way since we started about eight weeks ago. Best part of two months we've been doing it. We've been having a ball doing this, Charlie, haven't we? So much fun. Honestly, it, it's, yeah, it's great. You think like, oh, I've got to, sometimes you think, oh, I've got to do a podcast. It sort of work. This is just, this is just conversations we have anyway. We just record them. Yeah, I'm absolutely loving doing this. And I've been blown away by how many people are getting involved and the depth in which they go into and how how much they're into it. So, as you keep saying, I say it more. Thank you so much for getting behind us. It means the world. And yeah, my favourite thing when I see people tweet you more than me because you're the main man here. But when I see you having conversations with people on Twitter, it's it, like I get to join in. Honestly, it makes my day. So yeah, please, please keep getting involved. We absolutely love this. Oh, I feel bad now. You feel like you're looking on from the outside, like the guy at the window staring in. No, no, no. I just it's nice because I can look and see what I want to get involved. No, if some of the fans are far too um far too knowledgeable for me, I'm like, I'll leave Jack to this one. I'm not hundred percent sure I can comment on that. Oh, thank you. So I'm just like Jack can deal with this. Thank you very much. Actually, I, I'm like the diesel to your Sean Michaels, the enforcer on social media. I need yes, to have like in our in our friendship, you would be the enforcer. That is the way this would go. I, I was trying to I'd probably be like if you put us next to each other, you'd probably be Finley and I'd be Hornswoggle. I think it's yes, probably yes, probably I'd best to sum us up. I'd say so. <laughs> Okay, time to uh, give something the push, some time to send something back to developmental. These are everyday things that we really love that we want to give a push to and things that we really hate that we want to send back to developmental. Um, I, I think I know what yours might be based on what you said last week, but I could be wrong. So why don't you give us one of yours to start? So for me, only push was going to be squash because yeah. I went and played after our, we recorded late last Tuesday and I went and played squash straight after and I was rubbish. My girlfriend, we played six games. She beat me 6-0, including the first one I lost 11-0. But I actually really had fun. I don't often play sports just for fun. So that was great. And that was going to be it. But I actually am going to end up being really serious, which we do now and again. Okay. But I want to give the push to the Swiss football medical team. Um, because obviously I'm sure everyone saw the most awful scene when Christian Eriksen had a cardiac arrest in the game against um, Finland at the weekend. and. They, they just saved his life. Like, the, the Danish team, team, you mean? The Danish medical sorry, team? Sorry, the Danish medical team, not the yeah. Swiss medical team. I've got it wrong there. Sorry, the Danish medical team. They just saved his life on the pitch. And those men and women, under that sort of pressure, to do their job to that, that standard is just unbelievable. And it's not just the Danish medical team, it's just all medical teams. I've seen what they have to go through, both in hospitals, my mum works for Frontline, but also I see in professional sport. They are physios, doctors, they're unbelievable. And... Unfortunately, it probably takes something as harrowing as this for us to appreciate them as much as we should. But yeah, they're incredible. So the medical teams, but also to defibrillators in general, because I've seen stats about how amazing they are. I think I saw in the first three minutes having cardiac arrest, if you don't get a defibrillator on, your chance of survival is under 7%. If you do, it's over 70. So what an incredible piece of machinery they are. And also just CPR and knowing how to do it. I've seen a lot shared on social media. I've got, I know I've got a uh, first aid course in the next few weeks to do some coaching I'm doing. I have to be first aid trained for it. And you know what? Brilliant. Because these are things that could save anyone's life at any point. So just the whole thing around how the medical team reacted and yeah, the machinery that saved Christian Eriksen's life for Denmark, not Switzerland. Yeah, just the whole thing. I want to give it a push. I think it was, it went from being what could have been, oh, still is an incredibly dark day to actually not a happy ending, but the best ending we possibly could have had because of the work of those people. 
Yeah, and, and, and you're absolutely right. There is no silver lining that can be put on someone having a cardiac arrest in the middle of an international football tournament. But one thing it does do is make us all aware that we can have more knowledge and, and knowledge is power. It, it is, if, at least if you're in that situation, you'll be equipped to maybe do something that could be the difference between life and death. So I would absolutely echo that. And I, I do not know how those two teams kept going on. I mean, you're the pro athlete. I, I We don't want to get into UEFA, should they, shouldn't they? But the fact they did, unbelievable. Yeah, I know it's, I know it's hard enough to play. If you see one of your teammates have a really bad injury, so obviously I've seen, I've seen people stretched off with necks. I've seen people rupture ACLs, ankles, breaks. It's hard enough to get your head back in the game after a stoppage for that. And that's a bad injury. It's not life-threatening, it's a bad injury. So when those Danish players have had to surround him to shield him from the fans and the cameras and they're watching him on their mates and they don't know if he's going to live. I have no idea how they played on and, and the Finnish players. It would have affected them as well. Yeah. The whole thing, I just... And yeah, we won't get into the, what UEFA should or shouldn't have done. The fact that they went out and managed to play a game of football is unbelievable. Like The mental strength of the players who were going over, solving his wife, it, it did the whole... And the captain, they reckon the captain um, saved his life by making sure his tongue wasn't swallowed. All of it just incredible i couldn't have more admiration respect for everyone involved with it yeah i'm actually going to give the push to something related to this although far less serious it is just having daytime sport when you should be working there is something really special about being able to turn on the tv at any random time and just seeing two teams you would never watch play normally have a game against each other and we've got the French Open tennis that has just been and gone. We've got Queen's Club, Wimbledon coming up shortly as well. It has been absolutely fantastic. It, it's a bit like when the Olympics are on, where you suddenly care about a sport yeah. you would never watch. But I don't know if you're able to do it as much as I am, because I'm more desk-based and you're an athlete. But it's great to have one screen with the football on and then the other screen with what you should be doing. Yeah, definitely. I was watching, I watched a bit of Scotland yesterday, and I watched what I've been doing yesterday. There was something I definitely should have been doing yesterday that I ended up saying, no, I'm watching Scotland instead. And it, I didn't do it that much. That I can't remember what I should have been doing. So that that's um, that was weird. But I want to go slightly less serious for my back to developmental because we can't be all serious. Okay. And what I've just written down for back to developmental is Otis Nobid. <laughs> what is that man doing, Shaven? No, yeah. I don't want to see that face. I'm sorry, Mrs. Otis. I don't, I don't want to see I don't want to see your son's face. No, no, get a beard back. It's not no, I don't like it. I do not like it, Jack. Did you have your beard when we first met? Yes, I will have. The only time I don't is I do Movember most years. I didn't this year just gone, but most years I do Movember. And because I'm bald, if I don't have a beard, I just look like a boiled egg. <laughs> I just do. So I need a beard. I have to have one. And it's so ginger, and it's not the best beard in the world. But I won't be clean shaved for anything but charity. It just won't happen. But Otis, I, um, what, what's he doing? I, I had a, a different experience to Otis. When I was working actually in the channel lines, I did a fair bit of TV reporting and I grew my beard while I was doing some of that TV reporting. And the presenter um, of the, the TV channel, a lovely guy called Charlie, who, who has done so much for me, I came in with a beard and he said, Is that staying? <laughs> and I said, Yes. And he said, how many reporters do you see on TV with beards? And I said, oh, that's a good question, actually. And he said, ask yourself why. And I felt <laughs> I felt like in that moment, like I was being spoken to by Vince McMahon when he looks at someone's gear and just goes, change it. And I was that's like, absolutely savage. He was, he was like the godfather. And I said, no, I'm going to keep it. And he went, it's your career. <laughs> oh, my God. 
and to be fair he let me on I carried on doing stuff and he is a lovely guy he's really really nice but I just I never felt so self-conscious about having a beard oh, so. I think I think you shoot a beard mate I think I I think most people do I, I think beards are great I think if I didn't have my beard I do look like Sue Perkins and I've said it before or Susan Cowman or any short-haired, black, short black-haired woman, really, I sort of fit. I did I did one of those face swap things where which celebrity do you look like? Kim Jong-un and Psy from Gangnam Style was what it came back as from me without the beard. Right, okay. Maybe the beard does stay then. I think it has to. Uh, back to developmental for me, hay fever. It's gone. Mm. It's go. Do you get it? Touch wood, I don't get it. Okay. See, the, the worst thing about having hay fever at the moment is the symptoms are very similar to COVID. And so you... I did, I did see someone tweet. Someone tweeted, welcome to June, where this year's game is hay fever or COVID. Yeah, it, it is a little bit like, I think it's hay fever. I think I've had this for years. Um, but you're doing your test going, what if it's not? What if it's COVID? Yeah. What? Yeah. So uh, anyway, that's going back to developmental. Uh, I think good choices by us all round. Time for us to bring this to a close. Before we wrap up, uh, Helena Cell coming up. Are we going to be talking next week about another stonking cell match between Roman Reigns and this time Rey Mysterio? I think we are. I think I'm going to be, I think you just have to let me go on Wax Lyrical for a good 10 minutes. Like you, could, you could probably go on mute while I just give a eulogy about the gatch probably. And if not, I'll be disappointed. Can I add something very quickly to back to developmental? Yes. Coloured cell matches. Yes. It has to be grey yes. or nothing. I don't want a red cell. It hurts my eyes. And also, why is it red? No. Yes, that's awful. It actually, I remember when I saw it for the first time, it almost ruined, because Hell in a Cell is my favourite gimmick. I love Hell in a Cell matches. It almost ruined the whole thing. And I was like, what? Who's gone? I know what we'll do. We'll make it red. No. Mick Foley didn't fall off the top of that building. All through to- it. Or through it, threw it off it wherever he could just to make it look like a Tonka toy. Other types of toys are available. Right, high time for us to wrap up. Remember, final part of our booking of Roman Reigns losing the title next week. Uh, earning the Push podcast at hotmail.com to get those in. Charlie underscore Beckett, Jack underscore Murley. Rate, review, and subscribe. We are out of here for this week's Earning the Push. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs>